Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from thy eyes. When I sit down and when I rise, and from afar thou art discerning my thoughts and hopes, my secret yearning. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance family conversation. And as always, it's great to be with you. So today we'd like to um, start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. When we pray the Hail Holy Queen, we also invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's uh, turn to Mary and beg Mary to be with us in a very special way today. To walk with us, to inspire us for our prayers, to pray for us, to pray with us. As we say, the prayer that she loves most. The Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now let's uh, turn to our spiritual director. Spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has many titles. He is known as the Paraclete. Holy Spirit is also known as the Gift of Gifts. Holy Spirit is known also as the Sweet Guest of Our Souls. Holy Spirit is known also as our Counselor. 
giving us good advice. It's also known as our consoler. He consoles us in the moments of desolation. The Holy Spirit is also known as the intimate friend of our souls. We're never alone. We have the Holy Spirit if we're living in grace. And he's also the interior master. St. Paul reminds us that we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So let's invite the Holy Spirit to give us a lot of light as well as the interior fire of love to burn within our hearts. As we say, Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the way of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, Amen. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. Vincent de Paul, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Francis Xavier, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. The family that prays together stays together. And that's who we are. We're the family, persevering family, striving to get to know and love God more and more each day. So as always, I promise to pray for you in the Mass that I'll celebrate this evening. like to place all of you on the altar as they celebrate the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. By far, there's no greater prayer in the whole world than the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. The greatest prayer. The Mass unites heaven to earth. Christ offers himself to God the Father for the salvation of the whole universe. 
So I'd like to pray first that in this Easter season that all of you would experience an overflowing joy. St. Paul reminds us, Rejoice in the Lord, I say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. We'd experience an overflowing joy in our lives. And Mary teaches us in her Magnificat. She says, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My second intention, I'd like to pray for your families. Your families. That you as parents would Assume the responsibility of trying to educate your children in the best way possible. <clears throat> and that your children will recognize that true happiness can only come from a deep relationship with God. God is the ultimate source of all true happiness. So I'd like to pray for you and your your children, especially your children will not be blinded into believing false philosophies on the human person. That God creates the human person in his image and likeness, male and female male and female. Boy and girl, men and women, that your children will not be blinded in believing that there's a different reality. But it's incumbent upon you as parents to instruct your children in proper understanding of who God is and who they are and what is their destiny. Lastly, we can continue to pray for world peace. Peace in the Ukraine, peace in the world, but peace in our own hearts. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me as the song goes. Finally, let's uh, pray fervently for an end to abortion. That indeed the Roe vs. Wade decision will be overturned. Let's keep praying. Because as the Mother Teresa of Calcutta points out very clearly, how can we presume to have world peace if we're destroying the most innocent of all, whole, all human beings. And that is the child in the womb. So, let's do all we possibly can to promote the pro-life cause in our lives, in our society, in the world.
So my friends, our, our Marian catechesis today, because we're in the month of May, will be the following. Here's a, here's a, a book that I wrote. It's published in the year 2017. And this book is a total consecration to the mysteries of the rosary. Meditation to prepare for total consecration of Jesus through Mary and yours truly. You might even consider making this consecration. I will be going to Alhambra, the Church of St. Therese in Alhambra, the month of June. The Thursdays in June, and I'll be giving this presentation and consecrating ourselves to Jesus through Mary and the Rosary. So you might join us, and we'll make our consecration at the end of June. It'll be on Monday, the feast day of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. There are many different ways in which we can consecrate ourselves to Jesus through Mary. But this is, in a certain sense, a unique way. It's a unique way. Which we go through the mystery of the rosary, contemplating a mystery every day, during the week, and then you meditate upon also the seven sorrows of Mary. The seven sorrows of Mary. Then, you give yourself totally to Jesus through Mary. So I invite all of you to consider making your consecration. If you've done it, there's no reason why you can't go back and do it again. So consecration to Mary, Jesus to Mary, you go deeper and deeper. An image I give is, imagine you're walking along the seashore, the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean. The water comes out and just splashes over your feet. Then imagine you going out into the depths of the ocean, dropping the anchor. The anchor is going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. That immense abyss is symbolic of God himself. It's symbolic of God himself. God is an infinite abyss of love and wisdom. So, you might consider consecrating yourself to Jesus through Mary. All right, my friends, let's move into our reading for the day. As mentioned many times in the past month, we're reading through the Acts of the Apostles. The Acts of the Apostles follows the Gospel of John. The author is St. Luke. 
Catechism of the Catholic Church says that the Acts of the Apostles is like a continuation of the Gospel of St. Luke. Also, it's known to be the Gospel of the Holy Spirit. So we really get to know the Holy Spirit and His inner workings in this wonderful text. There are 28 chapters. So today we're going to meet the first convert of Europe. And her name is Lydia. So let's go through the reading and and pull out some golden nuggets. You might also, uh, you might consider, you might also consider utilizing the method that I've suggested to you many times. That method is to read the text, have the text in your memory, try to have at least a basic meaning understanding of the text in your memory, then then the general meaning, the personal meaning, and then you have the practical application. How can you apply the Word of God to your own life? So it says today that we set sail for Troas, making a straight run for Samothrace, and on the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, a leading city in the district of the of Macedonia and a Roman colony. So just in that first verse of Acts chapter sixteen, we see Saint Paul as a missionary, he's moving. He's moving from one one is one city to the next. Now you see the Holy Spirit that's just moving in St. Paul to plant and spread the Word of God. Pray that God would breathe upon you the missionary spirit. That's right. Pray that God would breathe upon you the missionary spirit. that you would consider yourself as a modern missionary in the modern world and the modern cities, that God is calling you, he's calling me to be a modern missionary. And not to wait until tomorrow. Because perhaps we don't have a tomorrow. The good that we should do, we should do today. The good that we do, we should do today and not wait Not wait until tomorrow. And it says, we spend some time in that city. So Paul, when he would arrive at a city where he recognized that there was an openness to God, then he would spend a prolonged prolonged period of time. 
So we should pray that when we meet souls that are open to God's grace, for example, I'm going to Baldwin Park in the parish of St. John the Baptist, and there's just a very fertile ground there. I did a consecration to Mary. I did the 10 week spiritual exercises. Now I'm giving the Acts of the Apostles, and there's a very, there's a very great receptivity. So I'm purposely spending more time with these people because there's a real hunger for God there. Real hunger for holiness. Real hunger for prayer. So we have to discern where the Holy Spirit is moving. And then to drop our nets for an abundant catch of fish. Then it says, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate along the river where we thought there would be a place of prayer. So, it's the Sabbath day. Paul and his companion decide that they want to find some quiet place where they can pray. We should do that also. I give you the talk every day. But one of the purposes of our Perseverance Talk is to motivate all of you to, like Paul, to find that time so that you can be alone with God and talk to God as your best friend. That all of us would be faithful to our holy hour. I didn't say happy hour. I said to our holy hour. Be faithful to our holy hour. But God had other plans for Paul. He had other plans. This is called the working of divine providence. Nothing happens by chance. If you want to irritate me, say, good luck, Father Broom. I don't like that. I don't like that. You know why? Because I don't believe in luck. I believe in divine providence. I don't believe in luck. I believe in divine providence. It's God that is behind all of the activities, the actions in our lives. Nothing happens by chance. So what happens is we sat and spoke with the women who had gathered there. So there's a a group of women that have gathered there near the river, outside the city gate. And Paul and his companion, they don't waste time and they do not waste opportunities. We should pray that we don't waste time and we don't waste opportunities either. 
because life is life is too short to be wasting time and opportunities. So Paul and his companions speaks to these women about God. Now one of them in the group, this woman was very open to God. And she was a worshiper of God, seeking the truth. Her name was Lydia. And Lydia was, an, she was actually a businesswoman, an intelligent, hardworking businesswoman who was a deal in purple cloth. This means that basically she she was she sold she sold clothes, made clothes and sold clothes. So she was a probably a very successful businesswoman. And she is from this a city called Theatira. She was a worshipper of God. Then we have the word she listened. She listened. Let's spend a, spend a short time on the word listen. Do we listen to God in our lives? Or partially? You know, it might be this way. As is in the case with probably a lot of your children. We might be selective listeners, that we have one ear closed, the other ear open. We're selective listeners. I'll give you an example. Okay, when you speak to your children and you tell them, okay, get up, make your bed, clean your room, order and clean the bathroom, almost as if your children don't hear what you're saying. They're temporarily deaf to that to those words but then on another occasion you say hey we're going to be going to Baskin Robbins to get ice cream boy do they hear that there's no there's no temporary deafness there they hear it loud and clear Within two minutes, they're in the car, honking the horn, saying, Mom, why are you delaying so much? Why are you dragging your feet? Come on, Mom, let's go to Baskin-Robbins. Well, we might, to a, in a certain respect, we might do the same thing. 
When God inspires us often to do something that's hard to carry across, to practice humility, to walk the extra mile, we apparently don't hear that. Where something is more pleasant that crosses our mind, well, we are, we got our engines revving and we're ready to go. So Lydia listened. Let's pray for the grace to listen, to listen when God speaks to us. Our prayer might be that of young Samuel in the temple. Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. In our case, it's often, listen, O Lord, for your servant is speaking. Well, in a certain sense, it should be both. Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. And then listen, O Lord, for your servant is speaking. That's uh, that's a that's a, a dialogue. It's a two-way street. We have to learn how to listen. And that's part of the dynamic and the beauty of the holy hour is that we we want to listen to God speaking to us through the word of God. It says that Lydia listened and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul was saying. I kind of, I think that's worth commenting that God can be speaking to us but we're not paying attention. We have our mind in in another place. Has it ever happened to you that maybe you're praying or maybe you're in Mass and you're, well, you're not fully paying attention, but rather you're thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. That's probably happened. <laughs> is it going to be hamburger, fries, or is it going to be lasagna? Hmm. You're thinking about that before you know it. You've been thinking about that for two minutes. Two minutes of the Mass, you've been doing a culinary contemplation in your mind. <laughs> The other day was I was watching a YouTube on the greatest miracle that you've seen the movie, which apparently was inspired by Catalina Rivas, uh, a mystic from Cochabamba, Bolivia. And uh, one of the one of the highlights of that movie, The Greatest Miracle that Catalina Rivas uh, received as an inspiration is the importance of the angels. The importance, the dynamic, the work of the angels. But the work of the angels in the context, my friends, of the holy sacrifice of the Mass. says that the angels are present, many angels are present in the holy sacrifice of the, of the Mass, surrounded, surrounding the tabernacle, surrounding the priest. But also, each and every one of us have an angel. Each and every one of us have an angel. And one of the works of the angels, our guardian angels, 
is to help us to pay attention in Mass. That's right. We want our guardian angel to help us to pay attention in Mass. And not to be so distracted. How easy it is for us to be distracted, to be thinking about what we're going to have for dinner or lunch. Garden Angel wants to help us to focus, to really focus upon what's going on in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. So this Lydia, her heart is open. She pays attention to what Paul is saying. Let's pray that we would pay attention to the Mass, pay attention at prayer, pay attention to Father Broome during the Perseverance class, that we would be attentive listeners. So fast forward, apparently Paul really catechized her well. It says that Paul baptized her whole family. What a blessing. Was Paul's attention, uh, intention just to go outside the city gate along the riverbank to have some time for prayer, but God had other plans. God planned to arrange it in such a way that Lydia would be there with some other women. Paul would preach to that group of women. Lydia would open her her ears, her mind, her heart to the Word of God. Paul spoke about the importance of baptism. Lydia accepted that. Lydia told her family. Paul baptized her whole family. And there was great rejoicing. And then Lydia very insistently says to Paul, you consider me to be a believer in the Lord. Do you really think that I'm a believer in the Lord? Come and stay at my home. It says, and she prevailed on us. That last verse, there's a lot in it. First is Paul with Barnabas and his traveling companion. When they moved from one place to another, they had no they had no residence. They depend upon God, they depend upon the goodwill of people. They depend upon God as well as on the goodwill of the people. But also I see this, that Paul went to the house of Lydia and her family so that he could build upon educating Lydia in her newly founded faith. I'd like to make a comment on that pastorally. 
So Lydia listened to Paul, was baptized, but then Paul would go to the house with Barnabas and he would be instructing her in in greater depth. Here was a pastoral comment on that. In most parishes, there are organized programs for catechism for the First Communion children. Which usually lasts two years in most places. And then there's usually a two-year program for confirmation. So the children and the teenagers. Do you notice that there's something there's something missing there? Yes. What about what about the education of the adults? What about the education of the adults? That huge group of people, adults, who are the parents of these children, First Communion and Confirmation, they're left by the wayside. So I believe in every parish there should be with the First Communion, with the Confirmation, there should go there should be an ongoing Process of formation of the adults, of the parents. Because the documents of the church point out very clearly, as well as common sense, that the first educators, the first educators of the children are the parents. Not the politics, near the educators. Even we as priests and catechists, we can help out. But the primary and principal educators of children and teenagers are their own parents. Therefore, what we've done in our parish over the past 20 years plus is that we have Incorporated within our catechetical structure, children are catechized, but the parents also are catechized. They're catechized too. And I find this to be one of the greatest additions to our parish schedule to give the parents ongoing formation. It's interesting that in this country, in the professional life, if you're a professional, doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a professor, an engineer, an architect, it's incumbent upon professionals to have ongoing formation teachings, seminars, so that we're up to date with modern progress in in our profession. 
Should not that be the case with respect to our Catholic faith? There are some adults, many adults, that the last time they received any formal catechetical formation was when they were children making their first communion. Now they're 50 years of age. So physically, they're adults, but spiritually, they have not gone beyond second or third grade. So I I make that comment in the fact that Paul goes to the house of Lydia. It wasn't just to have a, a leisurely lunch or dinner, but rather Paul, I'm sure that Lydia prepared Paul and Barnabas with a good meal. Jesus says the worker deserves his recompense. But I'm sure Paul had more at heart the formation of Lydia and her family. So that's my point, the importance of ongoing formation of adults. Also, Lydia was the first convert from Europe. First convert from Europe. Brief comment on that. Not to be skeptical or negative, but I think as a whole we have to pray for the Catholic Church in Europe, which is really in crisis. Especially pray for Germany with this new synodal process, the synod that they're going through, which many liberal, unorthodox, erroneous ideas are being presented in the Catholic Church in Germany. Let's pray that that there would be a conversion, uh, a renewed conversion of Germany, Italy, Spain, France, the Netherlands, that there, Portugal, that there would be a conversion of Europe. Because Europe has become very secular, very, very pagan in many, in many places. The United States also, but Europe possibly even more so. So that's the, uh, the first reading taken from the Acts of the Apostles, there's just a lot of there's a lot of gold and nuggets in the Word of God. The Responsorial Psalm, my friends, is the second to last Psalm in the Bible, Psalm 149. And the antiphon is the Lord takes delight in his people. And the first verse is Sing to the Lord a new song of praise in the assembly of the faithful. That's another way in which we can grow in our prayer life is through song. Through sacred song. People like song. People like songs. The other day I was looking at a concert that was given in 1964 in Indiana, which the Beatles came to the United States. 
and especially the teenage girls, they were going crazy. Almost as if the Beatles became their idols because the Beatles were singing these new songs that the young people really fell in love with. Well, we have to appreciate, in a special way, sacred song. What has been in the heritage of the Catholic Church for many years is called Gregorian hymns. Gregorian hymns. And the Church insists that in the Mass that we, when we sing, the song should uplift our minds, our hearts, our souls to God. That's right. That sacred song should uplift our minds, our hearts, our souls to God. And St. Augustine goes on to say, he who sings prays twice. He who sings prays twice. One of the challenges of a songmaster's choirs is that the church, when we're participating in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, especially on Sundays, and there is song that many people should be involved, the people should be involved in the song singing, in which the whole assembly is singing, lifting up your hearts, your minds to God in song. And true song enlivens and strengthens, invigorates, and rejoices the heart. Very interesting phenomena that I'd like to recount to you. Times it's happened that I've come out and there's no choir, like the 10 o'clock Mass is a Spanish Mass. What I've done more than once is I simply became the choir master. I became the choir master. In a certain sense, the people in the church were, sing <coughs> were singing more than at other times. And one of the reasons why is because I know the people. I've been here for many years. And I've taught them catechism. I've been with them and their children. So I try to sing songs that they know. Alabare, Yo tengo un amigo que me ama. Quédate, Señor, quédate, Señor. Espíritu Santo, ven, ven. In other words, these simple, joyful songs that are easy to memorize and easy to sing. And that's the whole, and I'm not saying that I'm the best choir master in Southern California, by far. I've got a pretty good ear for music, but I'm not 
I'm not the expert. But I do know this. I know the songs that the people know. So I purposely take the initiative to sing the songs that they know so that everyone becomes involved. The men, the women, the adults, the teenagers, the children, they all become involved in this process of song. And it's true. St. Augustine says, he who sings well, prays twice. And it's difficult to be living in sadness and desolation when we're singing a joyful song. So, that's another comment I'd like to make in our conversation today. The importance of song. St. Augustine will go on to say that sing a, sing a joyful song with your lips. Sing Alleluia with your lips. But make sure that the song that you sing with your lips is not being contradicted by your life. Wow. I repeat, make sure that what you're singing the song with your lips is not going to be contradicted by your life. By your life. In other words, there should not be a disconnection or disconnect. Disconnect between the words that we say, the words we sing, and the life that maybe we're not living. There's a dissonance, a disharmony between what we're saying with our lips, singing with our lips, and what we're not living with our lives. We have to be authentic. We have to be the real deal. We have to be like Coca-Cola, the real thing. We have to be authentic. So there we have a brief commentary on the response, responsorial psalm. The Gospel today, this is at the Last Supper once again. We've arrived at John chapter 15. This Gospel, Jesus is preparing the Apostles at the Last Supper, the Last Supper Discourse, which is John 13 through 17. He's preparing the apostles for his departure when he's going to be leaving this world. So that in some places this Thursday would be Ascension Thursday, but in most most uh, dioceses we celebrate the Ascension of our Lord into heaven actually this, this coming Sunday. And the following Sunday we celebrate Pentecost. So, excuse me, Jesus is preparing the disciples as well as we who, we are also the disciples of Christ for his departure into heaven. But he's giving us these consoling words that he will not he will not leave us. He's not going to leave us as orphans. 
And you'll notice as we draw close to the ascension, when our Lord indeed does ascend into heaven, he passes through the crowds and he sits at the right hand of God the Father. That he says that I will be with you always, even until the end of time. Then he leaves them. That's somewhat ironic because he leaves them after he says, I'll be with you always until the end of time. So if he's going to leave them, how is he going to be with us? The gospel for today explains how he will be with us. He says that he will send the advocate. I will send the advocate from the Father. The advocate, my friends, the advocate, my friends, is the Holy Spirit. We will not be orphans. He will send the Holy Spirit to be with us. So here in this first verse, there's an inner working in which you have the Blessed Trinity. Jesus says, I will send you from the Father, the Spirit. So this passage, my friends, you have a clear revelation of the Blessed Trinity. Jesus speaks about the Father who is the first person of the Trinity. Jesus himself is the Son. He's the second person of the Blessed Trinity. He says, The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. The Spirit is the third person of the Blessed Trinity. We're not going to be orphans. So with respect to the mystery of the Blessed Trinity, how how are we personally, how are we personally related to the Blessed Trinity? The following. The Father. The Father, we are sons, Father, we are sons and daughters. We are sons and daughters of God the Father. Lydia, we talked about Lydia that was baptized in the first reading and she became a daughter of God. Then, related to Jesus Christ, Our relationship to Jesus Christ is he is our older brother. So we indeed become brothers and sisters to Jesus Christ. Now what about the Holy Spirit? 
Holy Spirit becomes our intimate friend. So as long as we are living in the state of sanctifying grace, as long as we're living in the state of sanctifying grace, we have the Trinity living within us. The Father is our Father. Jesus is our brother. And the Holy Spirit is our intimate friend. So, with respect to the Trinity, we become a living tabernacle. We become a living, vibrant tabernacle of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And speaking once again about Mary, 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 the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mary is the daughter of God the Father. Mary is the mother of God the Son. And Mary is the mystical spouse of the Holy Spirit. So if we want to have a deep union with the Blessed Trinity, we turn once again to Mary. And ask Mary, pray for us so that this union with the Blessed Trinity will become more intimate and more deep all the days of our lives. So my friends, we've had a very lively conversation today in our Perseverance family conversation. Invite all of you to share our conversation with your friends. Goes from Facebook Live to YouTube. Be an apostle in which you're sharing the good news with the whole world. Jesus said, go out to the whole world and preach the good news. One way is what I'm doing right now, trying to preach to the whole world. With those consoling words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, behold, behold, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. So I'd like to give you my priestly blessing, share the message with others, and we'll see you tomorrow, same time, same channel. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Many blessings upon you, your family, and upon your loved ones. Amen.